we uh, if we want to um, expand our path, expand our sense of the possibility of what the path can be for us, what can open from the path, <clears throat> then obviously our practice needs to expand and our understanding as well needs to expand. A lot needs to expand, in fact, heart, soul, sensitivity. Um, so it's asking quite a lot, uh, this expansion of practice, asking for a lot of um, elements, if you like, or threads to be woven together as part of the development. So it's, uh, it's a necessary. And that comes, like everything else, most, almost inevitably, gradually. So <clears throat> already on the retreat, we've, we've introduced um, two or three threads, really, at least. Um, we have the practice thread of cultivating this well-being in the energy body just as much as we can at any time. That's a kind of a thread of intention that can be there at any time. We call that samadhi, this, this gatheredness, harmonization, well-being. That's one thread. And that brings nourishment, brings deep nourishment to the, to the body and to the mind and to the heart. This, this just dwelling, resting in this permeated well-being. It's a really, really important thread of, of practice. <clears throat> Second thread is, again, related to the energy body, but it's really using the energy body um, to be in touch with and to care for our what's happening in the emotions. So the, the energy body as the indicator, but also the, the, um, the vessel of care or one of the vessels of care for what's happening emotionally. Really, really important in, as a thread in practice. And then yesterday we introduced the whole uh, thread, the direction of imaginal practice, and, and working with images there. And we talked about the balance with tunus, uh, etc., between self and other, self and image. So those <coughs> three threads already, and they... They, they weave together like threads that, uh, you know, like a rope is made of different threads. These, these, they support each other. You can move between them. So part of developing the art of practice <coughs> is not only developing the art of each thread, but the art of moving, navigating. What's, what's, how do I approach, uh, this sitting or this moment or this walking? What's going on? Which thread will I, uh, explore? Yeah. So there's a kind of, somewhat improvisatory element involved in that. Now, add another thread, but it's a thread that you already know, that you're well familiar with, the thread of renunciation. Okay, So we're, we're stretching what practice can be, but it relies on the basis of um, what we probably already know from our Dharma teaching. So renunciation, letting go, so um, it's all good and well, and what we're trying to say is very important and fruitful to um, play with trusting desire at times. This is this is part of what this retreat is about. What if I trust it? What if I regard desire in a different way and approach it in a different way? And if you like, um, uh, follow it. Follow it in a sense, not necessarily act it out, but follow it in the psyche, in the being, with the sensitivity. For example, in imaginal practice, and we'll talk about other possibilities. So that's great, and we really want to 
um, offer that and open up that possibility um, as something that's not commonly offered. Great and all very good. And you need more volume. And and um, uh, at times we want to just you know cool down, turn it off, let it go, drop it. Yeah, really, really, really good. <laughs> really kind. Yeah. So to have these options, not to be um, stuck in any option, really, and just always bashing away at trying to do the same thing, always on one uh, thread, on one tack of practice. We have this fluidity, this flexibility that we're slowly gathering skill and art in. So sometimes, um, either you just discern, this is the wisest thing to do now, drop it, let go, let the desire go, go somewhere else. Um, and other times, uh, uh, you know, you might just deliberately try to explore that mode of dropping and letting go. Yeah. So there's this fluidity uh, and discernment that that uh, w- we need, in, or we're slowly developing. Yeah. Okay. So want to remind you of that possibility and stress its importance today. Um, as I said, really, really a kindness. The if you like, the capacity and the ability to let go, to drop desire, um, is developable. Developable. Yeah. Um, it, in, in other words, it's something that with practice, with care, with attention, uh, we, you know, that, de- that develops. We get better at it. We get more confident that we can let go of desire if we want to, when we want to. Yeah. So that, that confidence is really important as well. Yeah. Okay, so just want to offer, and we could could talk about this for weeks, in fact. But um, uh, just just four possibilities. Probably you know them anyway. Okay, so rather than get into a whole extended thing and where this might lead, etc., just four four practice possibilities. So the first is um, uh, come back to what's nourishing. Come back to a n- nourishment practice. So what's a nourishment practice? Well, something like loving-kindness is a nourishment practice. Whether the loving-kindness is developed, uh, is directed towards yourself or towards another. Let's say, if I'm I'm having a hard time here or I can't let go of something and I think, I give myself loving-kindness, maybe that's really helpful. Maybe I give someone else loving-kindness. Look, it's got to, it's got to permeate me on the way out. I'm going to get soaked in that loving kindness as well, right? So don't always think it has to be you. Just loving kindness mode will be nourishing. What we when we talk about samadhi, that that's almost by definition, it's a nourishing state. I'm just going to hang out in this in this uh, field, in this bubble, and and make it nice and warm and just as comfortable as can be, and just dwell in that. Let myself rest in that and be nourished by it. Um, often we grasp at things and we can't let go because our level of nourishment is, is the reservoir is too low. The water is low in the reservoir. You understand? So I'm looking out everywhere. What can I get? What, oh, what's that? What about him? What about her? What about this? What's for lunch? And, and there's the, the anxiety of endless grasping coming from, because, because we need more nourishment. 
Do you understand? So indirectly taking care of the nourishment takes care of this kind of endless um, grasping and craving that's part of the human condition. Yeah? Um, so anything that brings any degree of yumminess, yeah? Metta, samadhi, calmness, um, uh, the harmonization of energy. And what, what happens is our, our um, muscle to let go, just drop it and come back, whether that's the breath or the energy body or the metaphrases or however you're doing it, just the more in our life we practice just this, this thing's, and, and just drop it and come back, drop it, even if it feels like completely futile, over time that muscle gets, we get better at just dropping and returning. So to have faith in that, it's kind of very, very simple. Let me qualify that a little bit now and ask you, what is your tendency? What is your historical tendency in regard to that kind of practice and and uh, desire and dropping things? So you might be, historically, you look back at your years of practice and you see, I tend to drop a lot and come back to my nostrils or, or whatever it is, or my abdomen or whatever it is. Or you might be the opposite. I tend to um, be a very investigative type and I, I'm always going out exploring what's going on. I don't give much attention to developing the well-being and the nourishment. So what's your tendency? What's your pattern? And sometimes it's good to just, okay, I realize that's my tendency. Let's practice the opposite. Let's, let's, let's learn to lean the other way. You understand? Um, so event, again, eventually in the service of this flexibility, we have, we have just a, a, a multitude of directions possible to us. We can, we can tack in, in any, in any direction. We're free. We're fluid. Yeah. Uh, so both the, in this case, both the exploration of eros and desire as we're opening it up, and also the letting go, um, and the coming back. Um, always to let go, as I think I said in the opening talk, it, it, as a way of living, it, it ends up being a little silly. Uh, it doesn't kind of cohere as a path of practice. It doesn't make sense. Um, it's not our life, and it doesn't fully serve our life. So we need some discernment here. Always going after desire and exploring eros um, and opening to it and letting it open us, um, will also be somewhat unbalanced. And um, it will, if I do that, I won't be able to open other, other doors, for instance, the door of deep emptiness exploration, because that involves letting go of clinging. Okay, so that's the first one, is just, just come back to something nourishing. It's the first possibility. Just come back, come back, just drop it. The second one is also a little bit related to nourishment, and really it's to do with, you know, the possibility that sometimes what's happening when we're chasing after something, I really need that thing, I really want that thing, or the mind is just distracted that way, what's actually happening is that there's some pain underneath the desire. The desire is not actually the primary thing. I don't really care about those chocolate cookies or whatever it is. What's happening is I feel lonely. 
or what's happening is there's grief, or there's heartache, or there's boredom. So it could be, you know, something quite subtle as boredom, and it's, and we're disconnected from from that heart state, and then we're going after this thing as a way of kind of um, smooth covering over what's going on. And we hope that somehow if I can, it's not conscious of course, if I can disconnect enough, I'll, I'll maybe get, get better. No, we need to connect. Need to come back, come back, have a look at the heart. What something there might need caring for. And caring might just be connecting, which means just touching it, just holding it, just, just, um, holding it in a caring awareness. That maybe is all it needs. The connection heals. The kindness in the connection heals. And, and in being connected, we're more grounded and, and we, we're automatically chasing out less. It means, it means coming back to what's painful, but the connection starts to slowly to soothe what's painful. It starts to heal it. And then there isn't this being propelled by some uncon, some emotion that we're not fully conscious of. Yeah? Does it make sense? <clears throat> so second option is have a look at the emotions if the, if you're troubled by a desire or have a look at the emotions underneath give them some caring attention and um <coughs> third possibility is um when there is craving uh, <clears throat> that craving is uncomfortable. The craving itself is dukkha. It, it's not a uh, an easeful feeling. There's tension and pressure that we feel when there is craving. And you can feel it actually, um, certainly in the mind, but you can, you can feel it in the body and in the energy body. The craving itself is dukkha. Sometimes what we're craving, if it's a cigarette or a drink or whatever it is, um, is not even so much the thing that we're craving, the pleasure of it. We're craving the relief from the discomfort, the tension, the pressure of the feeling of craving. So when I get that thing, it just, ah, the, 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 the balloon of pressure bursts. And, and it's actually that that we're, it's a kind of an aversion again driving us. Similar to the second option, it's a second um, practice thread here. It's an aversion to the underlying emotion, or it's an aversion, in this case, to the craving itself. We just want relief from that. So what's possible is actually getting, again, noticing, getting in touch with that feeling of the discomfort of craving, the pressure, the tension of it. Where do I feel it? Sometimes you can feel it in the whole body is kind of buzzing with that. Um, and sometimes it's much more subtle, but really, really helpful to notice, yes, craving is dukkha. Craving not only leads to dukkha, it is dukkha. Um, and what does it need, this pressure? It needs, what all pressure needs is space. So I create more space around that pressure. I, I let it um, bubble away, this discomfort, but I give it more space in the awareness. So if it's a pressure cooker and, and we make it bigger, the temperature goes down, right? 
Um, so that's how pressure cookers work. They, they, they create pressure and that heats it up more. So you, you create more. So just let it be. Let it be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable. Like when you stub your toe, you like you just have to kind of, okay, just, just give it some space for a few seconds, right? And, and it just does its thing and then it peters out. So what happens here is there's this craving, there's this, this, this discomfort of craving, the pressure of it. And just give, I know it's, I know it's unpleasant. I just create space around it, let it bubble away. And, and it, it will, it will, um, rise like, like that, get more intense, and then it'll reach a peak. And then it just subsides. And then, and then it's gone. Then you're free. Now it might come back. Um, but every time you go through that whole cycle because you've given it space and not been dragged into action by it or into following, following, following in the mind. Every time you do that, the whole cycle, the whole peak gets less. The whole intensity and grip of that craving on, on the whole system gets a little less, gets a little weaker. Make sense? Yeah. So that's the third possibility is, um, noticing the discomfort, noticing the pressure and, uh, and giving it space, just giving it space, learning to tolerate, developing our capacity to tolerate the discomfort of, of craving. This, as I said before, this gives us confidence. You go through that cycle and you've, you, you, you see, wow, this is possible. And, and the strength of the being grows and the confidence of the being grows. A fourth and last possibility for now is a little bit of reflection can really be helpful. Um, so we get caught in wanting this thing or that thing or this thing to unfold or that person or whatever it is. And how many times have we been through this before? And how many times has it really satisfied us? So sometimes a little bit of reflection, what is this thing, what is getting this thing really going to give me? Am I really going to be fulfilled getting it? These are all very standard Dharma approaches, you should be quite familiar with them. Sometimes it's a matter of like going deeper into what I want. Is this thing what I really want? Do I even really want it? I'm, I'm, I'm so caught up there, but do I really even, is that really what I want? What I deeply want. And recognizing it's not what I really deeply want. And that there can be more ease in letting go. Sometimes it's remembering how often in, in the past we've got what we wanted, but it wasn't, it ended up being not quite what we had imagined it might be before we got it. Right? Surely. Yes. <laughs> um, almost always things turn out differently than what we think. Um, so it's like just, just bring that wisdom at the, at, at the starting end instead of, <laughs> instead of at the end end. Right? It's like, oh yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> it's not gonna, you know, this relationship, this whatever, Forget about it. It's not going <laughs> to. It's not going to make you completely happy. Um, and if we're just as a footnote here, if we're exploring desire and opening to that, it's not because we think it's going to make us really happy. There's other reasons. Okay. Um, 
And, and la- lastly, you know, related to this is just the reflection on impermanence. This, this thing will change. I will change. What I want will change. This thing will change. Change, change, change. Impermanence. And just reflecting that on, on that. Um, and sometimes beginning to notice impermanence, beginning to, to, to look at beginnings and endings. Lunch comes uh, and then it goes. And where's it gone? The retreat comes and then it goes. Everything. Interactions. So, mind states. So I really want, really want some of that samadhi that they keep going on about. Uh, it, it comes and it goes, you know. And all the sense contact, it all comes and goes. Uh, and impermanence happens on all time scales. Lives come and go. Death comes. Birth, life, death. Galaxies come and go. Mind states come and go many times over a day. Relationships come and go. And moments come and go. These words right now. How many different, <coughs> different sounds, moment to moment. So sometimes just inclining more towards impermanence, um, we're not going to get, we're really not going to do that too much on this retreat, but it's a possibility, just go into that mode. Just everything's impermanent, and, and it, it's one, one lets go more. Related to that, you can also, because everything is impermanent, everything is dukkha. Everything cannot ultimately satisfy. So another possibility is going into a mode where you just, whatever comes up, it's just dukkha, it's just unsatisfactory. All it means it's not, it's not a philosophy of life. It's just a kind of, it's a gear. It's a possible thread you can pick up. Half an hour, an hour, ten minutes, whatever comes up. These sensations in the backsides, dukkha. The sounds, dukkha, unsatisfactory. So I'm not saying that is the reality of things. It's a mode of looking. It's a way of looking. And, and, and there's just letting go, letting go. Why? Because because things cannot satisfy, just let go. Let them come, let them go. Yeah? Very, um, potentially very beautiful. Sounds, sounds like it might, that's a recipe for misery. Um, but actually it's the opposite. Something really, I know that a lot of you know this in this room. Very, very beautiful practice in terms of what it can open up for the being. But that's a kind of, that's a more extended possibility. Okay, so, Retrace. So we have these threads. We're, we're, we're putting threads together in terms of expanding the path. And we have quite a few threads already. Um, don't get overwhelmed, you know, but, but learn to navigate between them. And one of the, one thread is this business about renunciation. So you can do that in different ways. Okay. Um, in a minute, it's lunchtime, and uh, we'd like to uh, just offer a, a thread within a thread, right? um, to take food, uh, taste, and actually smell and sight. That, that, uh, the theme of the senses and desire um, in relation to the senses. So mealtimes can be a good place to investigate this and to explore and open that out.
Um, so we, we'll, we'll pick this up at several points on the retreat. Um, if we just say, for, for the starting kind of uh, entry level of this practice, we'll pick up related to our theme of renunciation for today. So one way of approaching this whole arena of the way the senses are involved in, in with food um, is to look at it from the perspective in line with the renunciation practices. So what that might mean is taking, um, a, let's say at least one, um, but maybe a few meal times meditatively. So that means. Um, now there'll be a lunch queue, and you may be at a certain position in that queue. And what happens in terms of uh, the movement of craving, for instance, in relation to uh, where you are in the queue? So you can stand there in the queue and be aware of, if there is, craving. Now it might be craving for the lunch, <coughs> it might be the craving has a fear tinge to it. Will there be enough left for me when I get there? Will the <coughs> good stuff have gone? Um, uh, so that's uh, part of craving. Yeah, so you can be aware of that. Just you're standing there. The actual in the queue is a meditation. Just just open to these movements <coughs> of the mind of, of the heart. And then when you uh, when you have the food and you're taking the food, <coughs> also aware of what's the relationship with with taking. You know, do, again, do I fear that I won't have enough and <coughs> pile the plate high, or, or we're sort of um, stingy with ourselves? There's so there's so much in food. I'm going to just say very little. Um, but then also the smells and the sights. So this word vedana, one of the translations, sensation. So uh, the sensation when the food is in the mouth or, or the smell there will be the arising of hopefully mostly pleasant sensations. But that's actually quite interesting if you really meditate on, on the food, on the <coughs> sensations arising in your mouth, what's actually there? These explosions, of vivid explosions of taste, not much, uh, gaps, gaps in between them. What <coughs> actually is, is the experience of sensation? And what is the mind building up <coughs> Um, around the whole thinks this is going to be the experience of food. Actually find out, so be close with the sensation. So what happens with unskillful craving is we get caught up with the mind's idea of what an experience is instead of <coughs> at the level of sensation. So there's taste, there's smell, there's sight. Yeah? So we just... You're probably all familiar with this, but we're just invite that practice as a starting point and then we'll develop it a little bit with food as the days go by. Does that sound, is that enough? It's familiar, right? Yes. Okay, so just that for now. Could be now, could be at some point, but just do a couple, at least a couple of meal times like that. At least a couple. Yeah? And we'll pick it up. But enjoy lunch. Also. <laughs> <laughs>